I have some reflections on Zazen to share with you all tonight, and hopes that maybe at the end of it you will share some of your own. Um, so this one's called, How is Zazen Going? Um, this is a question I get asked from time to time. It's a question I have for myself. I'm certainly dedicated to Zazen, but how would I answer that question? I would say that Zazen surprises me. Sometimes there's so much dialogue going on in my head, I can't imagine an empty and quiet mind. Then, all of a sudden, there's an empty and quiet mind, <laughs> and a whole vast something else opens up. In other words, sometimes it's not happening, but other times it most certainly is. Maybe Zazen is both of these states separate and simultaneous. There's the experience of Zazen on the cushion, and then there is the Dharma that shows up embedded in everyday life. For instance, earlier this summer, I experienced the lessons of the Dharma on the tennis court. I grew up playing tennis in a family of competitive people. <laughs> I am the youngest of six, five boys and a girl. Our mother loved sports and was a really good tennis player. She had a standard bet in the household. Whoever could beat her in any racket sport, whether it was tennis or ping pong or whatever, she would pay $10. Of course, we each took our own turn to try and knock mom off her perch. We were not successful. She was too good, and she had the psychological advantage of being her mother. <laughs> well, in the midst of a close match, she would say things like, you're going to be, you're not going to be so aggressive with your dear old mother. <laughs> Gee, do you have to serve it so hard to beat your mother? I guess you have to make me run so much if you want to beat your mother. These sorts of things would worm their way into our brains to the point where we became compliant with <laughs> puddles, never to be $10 richer. Her <laughs> psychological game was just as good as her searing backhand crossword. <laughs> These events were always fun and usually frustrating. In a competitive family with survival of the fittest, I ended up excelling at family tennis, and that was the one way I survived. One by one, rising in the ranks, victorious over each except mom. I like this I like the sport and I've always found analogies for life and Recently, I decided to get back into competitive tennis to see what would happen and to find other people who like to play. I found a group in Chicago called Gladiators. It's, it. <laughs> it's a tournament that is played seasonally throughout the Chicago region. You get assigned to a division and play seven matches. <clears throat> the one with the most points wins the division and then competes against the other division winners. So I signed up eager to meet other tennis players and return to my roots, plus who could resist being a gladiator with all the imagery it conjures up. Well, the first season was a disaster. I got absolutely trounced. I had a big bout of performance anxiety and simply could not find my bearings or build any momentum. Out of seven matches, I won only one, and that was because my opponent forfeited. You'd think I would have hung it up at that point, but instead I signed up again and took some time to think about why I got creamed so badly. The answer was, as you could possibly guess, that I was attached to winning. 
more precisely stated, I was attached to not losing. The fear of losing caused me to lose. I started the next tournament with a Zen approach to detach from any outcome and instead focus on simply what was before me. On the court, I started to feel as though I were on a cushion. All sorts of things came up that I uh, worked to let go of. I would be in a point and hit the ball in the net or way out or worse, double fault. In my mind's chatter, this was certainly a sign that I am a bad person. The next point comes and I win it with a deep slice to the baseline, clearly proving that I am in fact a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Realizing the ridiculousness of this banter, I approach the next point by letting go and just being in the moment. And what was that moment asking of me? It was simply to hit the ball over the net and into one of the squares on the other side. I do just that and win another point. My mind's chatter continues. Clearly, this point is confirmation that I am a Zen master. <laughs> <laughs> I consider this right and am amazed that in this one game, I have been on a trajectory from a bad person to a good person to a Zen past, uh, master. And I realize that it's my serve and I've lost total track of score. <laughs> As my friend Doug says, 90% of tennis is mental and the rest is all in the head. <laughs> As the season goes on, I do detach from the desire to not lose and instead enjoy the rhythm of the game and simply be present in the moment, looking at what is, nothing more. Another good line from my friend Don Dowd in his tenants' advice is, show up with full self-expression. This, of course, is only possible by letting go of everything that blocks just that. Letting go of the gaining mind drops you right in the moment. There you can consider, what is it asking of me? The practice of being present and just considering in this moment can happen anywhere, on the cushion, on the tennis court, at work, with friends. Detaching from the desire to gain something or to achieve or win for the sake of it really helps. To just be is really quite powerful, but we all know that as easy and simple as it sounds, letting go is just hard. The past several weeks have been particularly challenging for me in this regard. Interpersonal strife in my professional life has been a huge distraction. I have felt pain and have been hurt by the circumstances of some relationships. And when it happens, I realize that the pain has tentacles reaching far back to all the other times I've been hurt, but I've never really understood why. Zazen has been a refuge to witness pain, anger, and suffering, and to understand deeply the impermanence of these feelings, and frankly, their relevance. I'm reminded of a line by the Buddhist writer, Joanna Macy, who said, I understand you have a broken heart. So what? <laughs> Achieving that level of detachment is far easier said than done. But the remark both acknowledges that the pain is real and that it is not the be-all and end-all. There's a lot more going on that we will miss unless we get to the point where we can bear witness and let go. I felt inspired by Bill's talk a few weeks ago on bowing as a deeper practice of letting go. I decided to bow, bow to the anger I had been holding on to so tightly. Doing so served to diffuse its grip. Then, very much on point, I read a line from Thich Nhat Hanh that goes, 
the meditator breathes in and says, hello, my fear, my anger, my despair. I will take good care of you. Anger would come and go. Bowing to it helped me understand its message. And the more I listen to it, the more it remains at bay. Attachment to well-worn narratives blocks the creative self. It makes being your wholehearted self that much harder and thwarts full self-expression. In my zazen, I've experienced a tight grip of my well-worn narratives that are kept alive by contemporary problems and circumstances. I appreciate, though, that through my practice, I'm indeed letting go of those narratives and regaining my own agency crawling back into my own skin. I acknowledge that I have been bruised and hurt. So what? I am here to tell the tale, and I am experiencing the wisdom that comes from the emptiness of the self, those moments where everything drops away and what remains is just you, you as full expression of life. A few weeks ago, I was in the North Woods. One day I went for a walk with my daughter. We followed a river running through a series of waterfalls. It had the quality of a walking meditation. We certainly talked along the way, but there were long stretches where we walked silently, each regarding the river and the woods, listening closely to all it had to say. The river and the woods blended together the river wasn't so much a thing or a feature as it was a collection of so many distinct parts and shaped and influenced by so many others. Thich Nhat Hanh's concept of interbeing came to the surface. No distinct parts, but a flow of it all. The river was the water, was the woods, was my daughter, was I. As though I were on the cushion in Zazen, I was letting go of preconceived notions of what is and solve interconnectedness at all. There was no way to be attached to low more narratives that day, too much wisdom coming from the river and the woods to allow it. This past Saturday in Zazen, as I witnessed my thoughts coming, I did not grab onto them or consider what they meant. Instead, I saw the river and the woods and the dance of the water and the trees, a soft flow. We come to this Sangha to support one another, to practice together, to learn from one another. I'm curious about how your Zazen is going. So I open it up to the group to see if anyone would like to share. Thank you.